Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again! Oh, he just can't do it! You just cannot be that good! That is an amazing goal! I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hey guys, Future Billy here. This episode was recorded before Frank Lampard was sacked by Chelsea and his replacement, Thomas Tuchel, could potentially be on the bench for the game against Wolves on Wednesday. But as you'll hear in this episode, that isn't really a massive shock. Anyway, enjoy this week's episode. Keep calm. I love the beautiful game. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and with me as always is the Frankfurt goal to my Luka Jovic, Lewis. That's right, guys. We are back with another tantalizing episode, and we've got a lot to cover in this one, so we'll get right to it. We will be looking at the title race in the Bundesliga. How many times are people not going to capitalize on the fact that Bayern are not at their best this year? They're doing it in the Premier League, not doing it so much in Germany. And we will also take an in-depth look at Hertha Berlin. What went wrong with them? Such high expectations, so much investment not getting where they should be. Then we move over to the Premier League, where we have to say that Frankie's fun time blues are something of the past because Chelsea, Jesus Christ. And then moving on, we will be looking at Liverpool losing for the first time in over three years. Three years, ladies and gentlemen. Three years at home. Burnley, who were... They were last. They were last at some point this season. But they did provide Liverpool with a headache. And then finally, we'll have a look at maybe the most close Premier League title race in ages again. But without further ado, let's look at the Bundesliga where, I don't know, you'd think that if Bayern were so, so poor this season defensively, that they would be taken advantage of, at least in terms of the title race. But I mean, there's seven points clear now of second place. Just going to put it out there. I thought the big issue at Dortmund was Lucien Favre. So you think you'd sack him, the team would start playing well. But they've lost two big games in the space of a week now. It is not going well whatsoever. I mean... We have to. I think it, it is fair to say that Favre had to go. He wasn't the one to get the mentality out of that team. But we have to now say that the mentality problem did not only lie with Favre. It is now with. It is very much a team problem. Because I mean, under Terzic, it's more or less back to the same problems. Yeah, they had a, a few grace period games, but you know, losing to Bayer Leverkusen. And then to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Dortmund are now seventh in the table. Yeah, I think Didi Hamann, the Liverpool great, by the way, uh, part of Liverpool's Champions League winning squad in 2005, I should say. I think he put it best when he said it was just 
there was no fight in the Borussia Dortmund performance when they played Leverkusen. There was no fight. There was no heart. There was no character in that side. It was just, it was a squad that just looked colorless. And that pretty much sums up what happened against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach as well. And I mean, come on, man. How many times are you going to concede from a set piece? Three out of the four goals. Yeah, it wasn't a defender's best game for anyone in Dortmund. I think we've touched on it before. Rafael Guerrero, he's more of a wing back slash winger. Akanji's not really anything special. Mats Hummels, as much as it might hurt to say it, he's too old now. There's yeah, no organization. Yeah, and you said about uh, Didi Haman saying there was no fight. They put up a decent fight, Dortmund, because Haaland scored twice in six minutes. But I went, the minute Elvedi scored that second goal after half an hour, I think it just completely deflated that Dortmund team. And that's for a team that has aspirations to be always winning uh, or close to winning the title and to be, you know, the the Bayern Hunter number one, if you will, that is just way too little. I mean, you can't deflate after half an hour and it's, you know, it's not going your way. Take a look at Bayern, for instance. They've gone, or they in this season went down one nil or higher eight times in a row and still managed to get points every single match. They won eight matches in a row after going down one nil. United, gained 21 points after after uh, dropping behind. You know, the, that is mentality. Those are teams that, that obviously have the mental fortitude to deal with a situation like that. And Dortmund clearly has none of it. It's interesting, though, because they beat Wolfsburg 2-0. They beat yeah. RB Leipzig 3-1. But now they've drawn with Mainz, lost to Leverkusen, and lost to Gladbach. So it's, it's like... Two steps forward, three massive leaps backwards. It wouldn't uh, shock me if Augsburg got points as well. No, it wouldn't. And I think we can safely say that Dortmund have officially said goodbye to the title race. I mean, there's 13 points behind first. And they don't look like making up those 13 points. Oh, they look all. about... I have a better chance of getting into the Bayern squad this season than them making up those 13 points. Simple ass. I think, um, yeah, I'm going to say it now. I think the title race is probably over. Yeah, and the thing is that it pains me so much because about a week ago, we literally still had a close title race. A week ago was... And it, even over the Christmas period, it was, oh, wow, Bayern only just managed to get the, get the top of the league back through their win against Leverkusen. And it's been as if since Christmas, every single possible title rival for Bayern has said, hmm, yeah, I think we're done. It is, it is such a small club mentality that, that still exists in the Bundesliga, even with clubs who definitely have the potential to reach the levels that, you know, the top six in the Premier League do, for instance. And it is because of these small club mentalities in big teams in the Bundesliga that the Bundesliga will always be second best to the Premier League. There's just not enough of a competition in there. 
it's it's absolutely crazy because you if we disregard the title race which i know is the biggest reason for playing professional footballs to win stuff yeah but that that fight for top four is going to be so good because you know leipzig they drop points to mainz who themselves sold their top scorer uh, jean-philippe mateta to crystal palace yeah. Uh, they, they beat Dortmund, but then they lost to Wolfsburg. And Eintracht Frankfurt now have Luka Jovic back. He's got three goals in 76 minutes since rejoining online. So from yeah, second place down to about seventh, there's any team that can get those remaining three places for Champions League. Yeah, you're totally right. I, I'm, I'm also loving the fact that you, you out of all, all people who have told me time and time again throughout university that, that you know, the Premier League is still the top most league in the world, have actually seen the light in the dire straits that the competition has become in the Bundesliga. Because you're completely right. Anyone from seventh to, to second could still make top four, which I think in the Premier League is already, it's not as close. But for that, you know, the Premier League actually still has a title race. So I think it's, I definitely take an actual title race over a race for top four. Yeah, I think the last few seasons it's been, well, last year Liverpool ran away with it. The year before that, Liverpool and City ran away with it. It's quite nice to have an actual proper title race. And I, I know we thought we were getting one in Germany, but until the teams that have aspirations of challenging. It's just, is, is it a mentality thing? Because it's, uh, it's clearly not an ability problem. No, it isn't. The, I think on any given day, and I mean, Leipzig have shown it when they absolutely thrashed Tottenham in the Champions League last season. They took the fight to Atletico Madrid it's it's not a quality thing. The teams in the Bundesliga have the quality to beat virtually every team in the Premier League. That's not the problem. It's just the problem of having the mentality of actually, you know, having the balls to go out and say, we're good enough to take the title race to Bayern, for instance, or we're good enough in the Champions League to actually make it to the round of 16. And it's not a thing of, uh, it's, you know, basically the achievement of the decade if you beat Bayern once or if you make it to the Champions League to the round of 16 in the Champions League once and then get kicked out. They need to see, set their sets higher. And when I say they, I mean the clubs like RB Leipzig, Bayer Leverkusen, Borussia Dortmund, Mönchengladbach. Mönchengladbach, I think you have to make a... I wouldn't look at as harshly this season because they've... Like, they never went out with the with a clear vision of saying, you know what, we need a challenge for the title. But they also didn't say, you know, we're going to back off and see how things go. They made it very clear that they wanted to get European places and actually get Champions League. And, you know, they've had a slump, but they're slowly finding their way back to it. And in the Champions League, they showed everyone, you know, this is a team to be reckoned with. So I'd say Mönchengladbach not as much, but definitely Leipzig, Dortmund, Leverkusen, they need to get their shit together, for lack of a better word. Yeah, you can't, you can't say they haven't had the opportunities because Bayern have dropped 
I mean, Bayern have lost twice this season already, which yeah. is after Hansi Flick joined last season is more than they lost in the entirety of the second half of the season. Yeah. You know, they've dropped more points this season than they did all of last season and people just haven't built on it. It's almost no. like a psychological block. It's like, oh, Bayern have lost. Oh, oh we can't. And they choke. Yeah, literally. They, it's, you can't find a real bottle job club in Germany right now because they're all bottling it. Bayern, by no stretch of the imagination in this, uh, this week where three matches were played in the league, Bayern, by no stretch of the imagination, had an easy time of it. They didn't dominate in any one single match. They were unbelievably lucky to win against Augsburg. They should have drawn or even lost. Because Augsburg should have gotten another penalty. And if they had actually made the one that they had gotten, it would have been a totally different thing. But also against Freiburg. Freiburg was an absolute scrap of a game. And Bayern by no means won uh, won that game comfortably. They they hit the crossbar once and Freiburg could have made it 2-2. You know, it's... But at the end of the day, you have to say that Bayern had scrappy games, but they still managed to get nine points out of three matches. Whereas the other teams, they just can't seem to get the dirty work done. Get the dirty work done against the small teams and then against the big teams, you know, show up. That's the thing. That's that winning mentality. I think everyone in that starting 11 for Bayern definitely has won stuff at the top level so they know that oh if we go one nil down or you know it's that cliche you know if you if you want to be champions you've got to win when you're not playing well exactly and i don't think dortmund leipzig leverkusen frankfurt and gladbach i don't think they have that if they play bad they'll lose yeah yeah I think that that sums it up perfectly. And that pretty much sums up the title race in the Bundesliga and why we now have to officially, I mean, we're not officially saying it, but I don't see any single team closing that gap because, I mean, seven points off of the first place, just just seven points between first and second place after 17 matches. That's unbelievable. See, that's why I wasn't always the biggest fan of the Bundesliga because it would always be, oh, Bayern are going to win it and then it's best of the rest. And even that wouldn't be close some years. But I think this is definitely a more open competition other than Bayern. And it makes it more enjoyable. (laughs) But at the same time, it's like, well, you want to see these teams do well. Like, it's no disrespect to Bayern Munich but I think a lot of people myself included want to see someone else win it understandably so it's like you know if it's like when Atletico Madrid won La Liga I think everyone that wasn't a Bayern or a Real Madrid fan was like yeah I really want Atletico to win because it had just been years and years of Barca and Real Madrid saturation for winning it same with Juve in the 
Serie A. People want someone else to win it. Like, personally, I want AC Milan to win. Imagine that. Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, puts AC Milan on that map. <laughs> That'd be great. But I think so, we've, we've knocked on, or we've, we've basically punched the crap out of, uh, out of the Bundesliga teams enough um, about the title race. But we're going to move on to a different punching bag. And this is a team we haven't talked about this season a whole lot which, funnily enough, we probably should have mentioned earlier. But Hertha Berlin have, you know, as our old lecturer Paul Brusser would say, a sugar daddy in German investor and German businessman uh, Lars Windhorst. And he still is operating within the 50 plus one rule. Yes, would be very ironic if on the 50 plus one football podcast we started talking about someone who broke that rule. That being said... Berlin has still managed to invest a whole lot of money, nine figures to be exact, in the squad. And I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't hold back. These are, these are buys like Dori Lukebakio, who was the star. Um, I mean, this is a guy who scored a hat-trick against Bayern in the Allianz Arena. So, you know, he's not a no-name completely. Matthias Cunha, one of the most promising prospects at RB Leipzig is now you know supposed to be the main talisman for Berlin they have Matt, uh, Matteo Guendozi on loan I know Arsenal fans would kind of scoff at that one and be like oh Guendozi what the hell but you know there is still some weight to that because they're getting players from the Premier League and sadly in the Bundesliga when you get a Premier League player there's usually a bit more expectation from them and then they managed to get uh, getting coach Bruno Labadia, who managed to save them last season. With all that in mind, the fact that they are tied with tied on points with Arminia Bielefeld, and currently only two points off of the relegation playoff spot. Wow. I I can't understand. I mean, I can understand. You sign players like Matteo Genduzzi, you get what you deserve, really. <laughs> horrible little rat of a player I cannot stand him especially after what he said to Neil Mope and he's like oh I own more than you well okay sorry mate shit at football but okay <laughs> that's the thing oh, Jesus. moving away from my detest for Matteo Ganduzi <laughs> the other players are good players yeah I mean Schwolo last season for Freiburg made save after save. He was one of the reasons Freiburg had a quite a comfortable time of it in the midfield of the table. Uh, you see, Luca Bacchio scored a hat against Bayern. You know, he's not he's not like a thirty a season striker, but he's going to get you some goals. Same yeah, with uh, or, or Matthias Cunha. Cunha, yeah. Cunha. So. I, I think it might be that case of buying players that they want, but not players they need, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's obviously, there's a reason that also Michael Pritz, the sporting director, is getting let go. Oh. They're doing a full, full restart. Pick me, pick me. I have, I have a theory. <laughs> yes. So it strikes me similar to Chelsea because they both have sugar daddy owners. Yeah. 
And this summer, they both bought players they wanted, not players they needed. So Chelsea already had Hakem Ziyech. They didn't really need to go and buy uh, Kai Havertz. Especially for the money they paid for him. Exactly. You Double as much as Hakim Ziyech. 35? 35 mil. Hakim Ziyech came for 40, 40 mil. 40 mil. So, yeah, double the amount. Yeah. You could argue they didn't really need Timo Werner if they're not going to play him where he plays. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's similar for Hertha Berlin. I wonder, is it a case of the sporting director and the board having this list of players, buying them without the manager's input? Because they look so disjointed that they, don't, they clearly don't fit in the style he plays. Well, Bruno Labbadia, who was also let go after that 4-1 loss at home to a, an arguably beatable Vera Bremen team, he didn't get the experienced midfield man he wanted or another right winger. Yet he has players in Guendozi, in Cunha, in also John Cordova up top and Dori Lukibakio, who should be putting Hata Berlin at least in the, t- in the midfield of the table, if not challenging for the European spots, which is what the season objective was at the beginning. And you know, now they're in the middle of a relegation battle. Oh, God, they've got Christoph Piatek as well. Piat, yeah, there we go. Another massive investment. Also, Lucas Toussaint, massive investment. And th- these are all young players, but why aren't you seriously challenging for European places at this point? And you just have to say that I think you're completely right. You know, at the end of the day, the players have been brought in, big name players as well, players with heavy price tag for Berlin standards and it's just not worked out whatsoever I mean they're getting Paldadai back who managed to get them out of relegation a few years back and only through differences with the former sporting director Michael Preetz left the job I want to ask you something do you think this is a case of them trying to live outside their means and trying to be better than they than they are. I think that's a bit unfair really because Berlin definitely when they got the investor Lars Windhorst in as well. They said, you know, that now that we've got, you know, some investment and you know, we're we're the biggest team in Berlin we're the biggest team in Germany's capital. We want to turn this into a big city club. We want to have, you know, all the, all the teams in that are playing in the capitals of their respective nations. They're massive clubs, you know, PSG in Paris. Oh, it was in the champions league final last year. London boasts six teams in the premier league. And of those six teams, there are at least three who are, you know, towards the top of the table and two who are definitely always, in the, uh, always challenging. And you know, also same deal in, uh, in Madrid, two of the top three teams in Spain are from the capital. And Rome also has two top teams in the, um, in the Serie A. And it's that kind of notion where Berlin want to get to the fact 
or get to the point where there's a top club in the Bundesliga, you know, top four club in the Bundesliga that is from the German capital. So it's, uh, it's, it's a kind of, I'd say it's not them living outside their means, but it's very much a, it's, it's very much a thing or a case of just not having the right investments uh, sorted out. And it's not a case, and it's a case of that former sporting director, Michael Preach, just not making the right signings. Well, he's gone now. Yeah. So hopefully you'd like to think with an investor like that, with the players they've got, I mean, this season's a write-off anyway, but you, Oh yeah. You get, you, piece the positives that you can out of this season. Yeah. New coach, new sporting director, you go again next season. I know there's only so many times you can do that before it becomes financially stupid. I was about to say, because I think Roman Abramovich would have sacked off uh, investing in Chelsea if Chelsea didn't come out with a Premier League or an FA Cup every few years. Exactly. And it's things like that that keep a, a sugar daddy happy and ticking over. Yeah. yeah. I heard the Berlin have a long way to go. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, now they have to rebuild and they're right now in the middle of a relegation battle, which is the exact opposite end of the table they want to be battling in. So, Exactly. They want to be up there with Eintracht Frankfurt and Leipzig and Leverkusen all within yeah. like a point of each other. Definitely, definitely. But we'll move on from the depressing Bundesliga round of matches to the Premier League where... We have to say that the title race, and we've touched on this already this episode, but the title race is looking every week it's getting better and better. You know, now Manchester City are all of a sudden winning every game, basically, and are putting some serious pressure on United to not drop a single point. I mean, they have a game in hand and are only two points behind. It's so close, and it it looks like it's going to go down to the wire, whether it'll be as many teams, whether it be the, the three or four teams competing towards the end, I don't know. But City win, and you talk about that mentality that the other teams in the Bundesliga don't have. I think that's the noticeable difference between United this season and United from two, even one year ago. I think that yeah. game against Fulham... A couple of years ago, that they would have lost that game. They wouldn't have beaten Aston Villa. They wouldn't have beaten Wolves. Uh, they wouldn't have beaten Burnley to go top in the first place. Yeah. So there's a definite mentality shift. And even you look at Leicester, slowly plodding along. We spoke last week at how underrated they are. Yeah. You know, you just keep slowly plodding along, doing your thing, and people will start to take note. It's ridiculous. It's so tight up there. And it's difficult not to want certain teams to lose. But I mean, it's exciting, and I'm loving it. 
you know, the game's come thick and fast. It's been FA Cup this weekend. So they have a somewhat of a rest, if you can call it that. But even the midweek fixtures, Tottenham-Liverpool coming up this Thursday. Liverpool lose that. They go below Spurs out of the top four. You know, the defending champions who who were six points clear or nine points clear at one point. Yeah, I, th- I, I, if I remember correctly, we both predicted that it would be either Liverpool or City to take the title again this season. And as much as City are now looking to be, you know, the closest title rivals for United, I don't think we would have seen City being, you know, mid-table for much of the first half of the season. And we definitely didn't have Liverpool on our radar being in danger of dropping out of the top four. For the first time in what three years, literally, since Klopp really got the team he wanted. Yeah, but I think a lot of people, us included, poked a sleeping bear when we were joking about City in like seventh or eighth or something. It started with that win <laughs> at Chelsea. You know, that, I think you're completely right. Yeah. That patchwork City team that tore Chelsea a new one, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Yeah. But that six-week injury to Kevin De Bruyne. It's definitely going to hurt. Blah. You know, I, <clears throat> I think if United, if United want to be se- taken seriously and not just, you know, like that picture of the cow half across a gate, like how did it, how did it get there? Like it, it, it has no yeah. idea how yeah. it got there. Yeah. If they want to be taken seriously... K- KDB out and Jamie Vardy having surgery for Leicester they need to start turning the screw they they by no means can drop points it is I, I, it obviously you know it's it sounds like well really the team that wants to win the Premier League cannot drop points yeah I get that but you know now at this moment in time there is absolutely zero room for error you know, this is this is as as they would say the squeaky bum time in the Premier League, and it's starting now already, Literally, which I think is great. Yeah, we're halfway through, and this is proper crunch time. This is normally this is like the last three four weeks of the season. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to drop points. You don't want to drop points. But this is halfway through the season. Everyone has to be at their best, and it's going to mm. come at some point where there's just going to be a butt of heads, where you have like United play City or or Leicester play City or something like that. There's going to be a, a clash where both teams want to be at their best and one of them is just going to give. It's, it is definitely going to come down, as you said, to the wire. And I think that's something we can definitely look forward to. But moving on to our individual topics this week. What do you want to start with? Liverpool losing for the first time or Chelsea just not finding consistency whatsoever? Oh, well, we all know how I feel about Chelsea. And I have a lovely, delicious stat oh. about the uh, the striker who was going to win them the Premier League. We, we love a stat here at AT Sports. So, the £60 million Timo Werner. Oh, no. <laughs> in 19 appearances, has scored four goals. Luis Suarez, who was free in 15 appearances, has 12. 
Now, that's funny, but (laughs) he is being played wrong, in my opinion. Chelsea fans, by all means, feel free to come at me. But I don't think Frank Lampard is playing him the right way. I don't think Frank Lampard is the man for Chelsea. But this this okay, coming so from yeah. a, this coming from a man whose team basically have done the same thing as Chelsea and appointed an ex legend, not in the best of circumstances, but have given him time and it's starting to work out. But I don't think Oli United was ever as bad as Frank Lampard is at Chelsea right now. Okay, we're gonna leave that one for a little bit. So you you would definitely say there's not been a single time where United have been after th- one match after the other, just dropping points, not ever playing really, getting together, not really gelling. And you would have said Solskjaer should be sacked. You don't think that's ever happened since Solskjaer has tra- taken over at United? Uh, there was uh, a brief period at the end of his first half season the season Mourinho was sacked uh, they lost to Huddersfield who'd already been relegated they lost to Cardiff who'd already been relegated drew with Brighton or something and it did cost United the top four they finished fifth like Chelsea kept losing you, you know it, it was there for the taking it was a similar thing to what's happening in Germany right now the team above were losing not picking up the points needed and there was just that sort of ah and shut down and choked. Yeah. But since he's had the time and since he's had the players and the system, I don't think there's not been a prolonged period. There's been like the odd couple of games. But Frank Lampard at Chelsea isn't the odd couple of games. It's losing to Wolves. It's getting battered by arguably the most beatable City side in the last four years. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that one that was, was the one that really is really cemented the the crisis in Chelsea. But here's the thing: you said give or United gave Solskjaer the time, you know, giving an ex legend the time, and obviously now it's starting to bear fruit. Would you say it would be fair to Frank Lampard to give him the time to at least finish out the season? And then see if he's still the right man for the job. Yeah. Uh, Okay, let let me put it this way. I think the minute it becomes mathematically impossible for Chelsea to get any form of European football, then I think he's probably gone, regardless of how well the season ends. Because it's bearing in mind, they are only three points off of a Europa League place. Exactly. So it's, it's... but at the moment, isn't, yeah. Villa, yeah. West Ham, Spurs, sometimes Everton are playing better than Chelsea. So it's not just down to where they are points-wise. It is also down to the fact that, you know, playing style or the way they play, the way they show up in matches is just not, not to, the, to the level that Chelsea should be at. Given they've also spent two hundred and twenty-two million pounds in one summer, yeah, and I think it'd be naive of of me or of us 
to say that Chelsea aren't a big team because they're part of the traditional top of the the traditional big six. Yeah, and you know, despite that joke, oh well, Chelsea were formed in two thousand and three when Abramovich took over. I think there's there's they're a big team. They're one of the big six in England. They've and they've definitely won title after title. They've won the Champions League. For Christ's sake, they've won Premier League titles. They've won the FA Cup, the Europa. They, you know, they've won everything they can. So that's not yeah. that's not the issue with Chelsea. I think the issue with Chelsea at the moment, and to be fair, I've been quite crit- very critical of Frank Lampard, but there's only so much he can be blamed for because sometimes you know you can train the players during the week, you can give them a team talk and the tactics and that, but then they've got to go out and do it. And, and they're not, but it will be Frank Lampard that gets the sack. You can't sack Timo Werner because he's not scoring. You can't sack Kai Havertz because he's not getting 25 assists in, the, in his first season in the Premier League. Just now that you've just mentioned that, I think it would be naive of many people to expect that Kai Havertz and Timo Werner, specifically seeing as they came for a combined total of 140 mil, I think it would be naive of, uh, of many people to expect that, you know, a Kai Havertz in his first season in the Premier League, which everyone knows the Premier League versus any other league in the world, that's a different ballgame. It's, it's a different mentality. It's a different physical aspect. It's just, it's a different country. I think, as I've said, it'd be naive to think that you could expect 25 assists from Kai Havertz and then 25 goals from Timo Werner. Obviously, the price tag says otherwise and the price tag would make a lot of people think that but i think it in that sense it shouldn't be expected after the first year uh, i i don't know whether i agree with that because i used it a couple of weeks ago fernandez came from the portuguese oh, okay. premier league which is in no way which can't be compared to the Bundesliga in terms of quality because it isn't as good. And he has, well, he smashed it. Four player of the months in his first calendar year. It's hard, it's hard to argue with that, but I'll phrase it another way. Is Bruno Fernandes an anomaly in that sense? I don't think so because Kevin De Bruyne come, came from Wolfsburg and immediately hit the ground running for City. Yeah, he had a few games for Chelsea, but you know, his majority of his career up to that point had been in Belgium and for Wolfsburg. Yeah. Okay. You know, like, every Fair play enough. is different and people react differently to different things, but I think ultimately it narrows down to the fact that Timo Werner isn't a left winger. He's being played out wide. Because Frank Lampard's got this. I know every manager wants an identity. They want to be their way. And I keep saying it. You just have to adapt to the players you have. Yeah, we've we've said it. We've said it time and time again. You know, he seems to have a phobia of changing from that four-three-three. Given against Leicester, officially one football is is showing. Chelsea is playing a 4-2-3-1 with Havertz finally playing in that number 10 role where he, you know, plays at his best. And Chelsea arguably play like crap against Leicester. 
So I guess the argument there kind of falls out that he's being played out of position. But then again, you know, after Kai Havertz has had the season he's had so far, one game probably won't correct it. No, it's like he's got a hatchet against Barnsley. Cool, well done. It was against Barnsley. Like, you've not been signed to play against lower league opposition. You've been signed because the people and the powers that be at Chelsea think that you're the missing piece and can do it against the big teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Eddie Hazard. His first season for Chelsea after he came from Lille. Ridiculous. Yeah, okay. So it's. But then again, so I think like we can agree. Said, yeah. You know, not every player is Eden Hazard. Yeah, not every player is Bruno Fernandes and not every player is Kevin De Bruyne. We have named three. Obviously, it's not an anomaly, but we just have named probably three of the greatest Premier League players in the last 20 years. Notice well, I said three of the greatest, not the three greatest, just to clarify. The only thing I know that they the last twenty years still had a Van Persie and you know a Wayne Rooney and countless others, but but the the only reason I I think he's going to get the sack is just because Abramovich has this trigger happy way about how he deals with managers. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. So you know Frank Lampard, club legend. Give him time, give him time or not. But he's if he wants to give, be given time to implement his style, his philosophy, he's at the wrong club. I think on that note, we'll move on to Liverpool then. Oh, Hard to argue with that, but yeah. Let's. So Liverpool, since the 23rd of April 2017, have not lost a single home game. And it's not just in the Prem, but you know across all competitions, which is unbelievable really you know three and a half years and you haven't lost a single time at home you know you would think as a liverpool fan you know wow every time i go to anfield i know i'm not going to see them lose what a feeling that must have been for the last three and a half years but i think you said it to me perfectly liverpool couldn't figure out a way past burnley and i said to you yeah, Liverpool seems to be the only team in the league that haven't been able to find a way past Burnley because Burnley's literally, what are they, 18th now? Uh, no, they're 15th now. Okay, but they were in the bottom three for the longest time. Yeah. They were in the bottom three for a while. I think it was, it was a mixture of two things. It was the way that Burnley set up. So you had uh, Ben Mee... Uh, James Tarkovsky is the centre-back pairing, but then you also had uh, Josh Brownhill in the middle, which is almost like a third centre-back. Yeah. When he sits there, similar to the way Westwood plays. And also, I think Liverpool just run out of ideas. Because Trent, who last season, I think he gave most of the midfielders in the Premier League a run for their money in terms of assists and the quality of his passing and his crossing. Tried 18 crosses on Thursday and completed none of them. And it's kind of in line with the fact that there's not a single top team in Europe right now that is just thrashing every team that comes across their path. 
you know, every single season you've had that one team that just eliminates teams, for lack of a better word, without trying. You know, it was Bayern last year, it was Liverpool the year before that, it was City the year before that, and then it was arguably Real Madrid the year before that. So, you, you know, you always had that one top team that everyone was like, okay, in the Champions League, if you draw them, it's going to be the hardest match. Right now, there's not a single team, for instance, in the Champions League that I could see is going to have or is going to be every club's biggest problem. And Liverpool are a shining example of that. Because as you just said, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who was the most lethal crosser in the Premier League probably, is more or less a shadow of himself. And, you know, Mo Salah, not the player he was the last few seasons. Arguably, of the Fab Three, only Sadio Mane is bringing his A game. And even Mane isn't the same guy he was last season. No, I think there's two different sides to this coin. I think people that want Klopp to get the sack need a reality check because <laughs> form in football comes get and out goes. Of here. They're having a bad run of it at the moment. It will end. It will change. And, you know, I, I, said, to, I said to Greg, oh, well, you've used up your month's worth of goals for January by beating Crystal Palace 7-0. You know, they scored twice against United tonight in the FA Cup. I mean, they lost, but they scored two goals. And that's yeah. what Liverpool fans have been crying out for. Give me something. Give me some goals. You know, they didn't score against Newcastle. They didn't score against didn't score Southampton. Against Burnley. They didn't score against Burnley. So, it's starting to get some normality. And then there's the other side where... maybe it's just the end of that period where they lost the title by a point, where they won the Champions League, where they dominated the Premier League and won it by like 19 points or something stupid. You know, yeah, it comes yeah. and goes. People strengthen around you, and if you don't, you slight to fall back. Yeah. And, yeah, injuries haven't helped them. But Tiago's a good player who, in my opinion, suffers from the shabby Alonso syndrome. I can see the stunned look on your face. Let me explain. I don't know whether it was the same for Bayern, but when shabby Alonso played for Liverpool, he had this really horrible trait of giving away tactical fouls and not being booked for it. Okay. He would I, I guess do I it can all see the time. your point. And Thiago did it about three or four times against United at the weekend. He did it like two or three times against Burnley. Granted, he's not played that many, but he did it again in the FA Cup this evening. And it's like, come on, there has to be, I refuse to believe there's not some correlation between a Spanish playmaker, tactical fouls and not being booked. <laughs> Well, I, I hope to get a dissertation on that one then, Bill, uh, to showing, showing me your, your work with uh, sat SPSS statistics, you having run through all the scenarios. But it is an interesting point. So I'll give you that because obviously, yes, there has, it seems a little bit too, too good to be true that there isn't a correlation. I think there's one more before we discuss it 
discuss Burnley a bit more. So they don't really have a proper decent striker. You know, I, Firmino's not really at it. He's got. I found this out today actually. His teeth are, are the the, sh- the color of his teeth is Maximo, which according to the dentist that did them is beyond the brightest color that they offered at the time. So they had to make one for him. I mean, everyone knew those were his real teeth. Jesus. Oh yeah, they're real. Like I thought they were fluorescent white. I thought they were veneers, but they are real. What? Oh, yeah. so it's just oh, so they're not so they're not veneers. They're just they're, they're just white and like they're yeah. properly whitened. Oh yeah, it's like luminescent white. Well, you learn something new every day, I guess. Uh, and I said to I said well, I was talking to Greg again, and I said, oh, "Why don't you just put Origi up front because he's more of a natural striker and he's just as bad." I was about to say, he started that game against Burnley. Okay, he hit the bar, which if he tried that shot 99 more times, 99 more times, that ball would go in the net. Yeah. You know, when it isn't going your way, it really isn't going your way. When it rains, it pours, I guess. Exactly. But Burnley, oh. I love Sean Deutsch (laughs) as a manager. It was all handbags at the halftime as well. <laughs> oh, well, that's, you know, that's football. Yeah, that's, uh, that is true. That is true. But yeah, I think it, it that game is just the epitome of what this 2020-2021 season is. It is just no team is safe. No team is going to have an easy time of it. And it's going to be a very eventful season in every fashion. Yeah, I think one more thing quickly before we, before we do finish. I'm going to make a really bold shout. There's, there's, there's two or three bold ones coming. So obviously the Euros is, or hopefully the Euros is coming up this year. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see about that one, Chief. Well, but if I'm Gareth Southgate, I think my number one keeper is Nick Pope. Yes. But I also think I would take Ben Mee. Okay. I'd, I'd take Ben Mee because James Tarkovsky on his own when Ben Mee was injured, that's when Burnley were really like in the thick of the relegation fight. That's when they were bottom. Okay. Since he's come back, he's been absolutely outstanding. Because it's it's touch and go whether Joe Gomez is going to be fit. Chris Smalling doesn't get a look in. So you think... Phil Jones? Definitely. Get him on that plane, Gary. (laughs) I'll drive him there myself. And you can leave him there. But, you know, you think Harry Maguire, John Stones... And Michael Keane, definitely, unless there's an injury. Also, John Stone seems to have this, this revival after you know, the last season and a half. It, the partnership with Ruben Diaz, it's the renaissance of the Barnsley Beckenbauer. <laughs> the Barnsley Beckenbauer, oh, Jesus it Christ. It pains me to say it, 
But from an England viewpoint, I'm actually really looking forward to having, because John Stones was this, the next big thing. You know, he was, he was, yeah. wasn't even a, a big team. And he was like, oh, England under 21. It's like, oh, there's this, there's this player, there's this buzz around this centre half that there probably hadn't been since Rio. Mm. And obviously he's not been as good as Ferdinand, but that partnership he's had with Diaz. Like the game against, oh God, who was it? Oh, my mind's gone blank. The game... Crystal uh, Palace? The game against Crystal Palace, you wait so long for a goal and then they two come along (laughs) in one game. They're like buses for the boy. You know, I'm not City's biggest fan, but from an English standpoint, Stones, Maguire, Keane, instead of playing Eric Dyer at centre-back, take Ben Mee or or Tarkovsky or take them both because they're doing... Like Burnley, yeah, okay, they're 15th, but they're really hard to break down. Those two are so commanding in the air. The way you score against Burnley is not crosses into the box. Which is saying something, because Ben Mee is barely six foot. He's not the tallest centre-back. He just has this command about him, the way he defends. He's he's 31, so maybe Ben Mee's a bit old. Uh, You never know. But I don't see why not. Ben Mee or James Tarkovsky? Fair enough. Fair enough. And we'll leave you on that bombshell. On that bombshell. Don't forget to follow us on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and all of our socials, Twitter and Instagram, obviously. We are posting content daily, little nitbits, little, little anecdotes here and there. So keep your eyes out for that one. But thanks very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.